could he do that? Are you on Donate What? Charles Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. As always, I'm Carson Brabber and alongside me is Logan Camden. And today we are continuing our NFL season preview by moving on to the AFC. We already wrapped up our NFC talk. You can catch both of the shows that we did on that from last week. But today we're going to be starting with the AFC East. And then as the episode goes on, we'll address the AFC West. And when it comes to the AFC East, Logan, I think personally that there is a clear overwhelming favorite. I think that that was established last year, and I think that will be the case again this year. But I always let you dictate who we talk about first, who you have at the top of the division. So who do you have in that spot, and what's your predicted record for them? I also have your Buffalo Bills at the top of this division. Uh, I, I don't really think it's close. I think they are by far the most talented team in the division with the most talented quarterback, uh, with the most talented weapons. Uh, I have the Bills going 14-3. and three. Uh, What about you? I like that. I have them going 13 and 4, so just a tiny bit behind. But I thought about going 14 and 3 as well. And I, I want to get this out immediately. Yeah, I'm going to flex my muscle here because that's what the nerds do. I did call last season they were going to make it to the AFC Championship game. Well, we I call, said Super Bowl, but you know. We called it a little further than that, didn't we, Logan? Okay, I did. I called them to the Super Bowl, but I don't think anybody really had those expectations. I mean, what were your expectations going into that last season? Well, because I wasn't a crazy person and I didn't foresee Josh Allen taking the leap from being a mediocre starting quarterback to one of the three best in football, I thought the Bills were going to be a fringe playoff team again. I thought they were going to be in the playoffs, but no, I certainly didn't foresee that ceiling. And that's ultimately the distinction, I think, between whether the Bills have a Super Bowl ceiling this year, and if they don't, obviously it lies in the quarterback position. Uh, you talk about his meteoric rise. He goes from 58.8 completion percentage last season to 69, 29 total touchdowns to 45, 3,600 total yards to nearly 5,000 total yards, and all the weapons are coming back. You've got Gabe Davis, you've got Stephon Diggs, you've got all the toys to play with for Josh Allen. I mean, the difference between the Bills being a Super Bowl contender and them not is Josh Allen again being an MVP candidate once more. I expect it to happen. I think Josh Allen gets even better if that's possible. Um, the few questions I would have around this offense, Carson, you can tell me if I'm I'm on there. It's uh, can the offense establish the run and help take some of the load off of Josh Allen's shoulders? And, you know, can they establish play action and just open up a dynamic of the offense they completely lacked last season? Watching Bills games, you know, there, there was no play action. It was Allen rolling out of the pocket if he had to. There wasn't really any establishment of the run. They bring in Matt Breda. Devin Singletary comes back. Carson, you told me that he has looked great in training camp, according to Bills fans. So I think the real big questions are just, can the run, can the run game be established this season to help just relieve Josh Allen of all of the load he had last season? Again, what, 10 rushing touchdowns last year? Absolutely insane. Um and can this offensive line, once again, uh, hold up front? I expect both of them, too. I expect the running game to be better. I, I, I don't think it can be any worse than it was last mm -hmm. season. And I just expect this offense to be one of the best in the league once more. So I think you identified the key thing offensively. It is the run game. And you said it. Singletary has looked good in preseason action. We've seen him score a couple of touchdowns, one in the air. He's averaged about seven yards per carry, but that's a very limited sample size. Basically, the half game that he plays over two preseason outings is equivalent to maybe one game of regular season football, and the stakes aren't as high. So you can't draw any sort of large conclusions from that. And Singletary is an interesting guy in that he can be this shifty one cut back, and he can sometimes make people miss an open space, but he's not an explosive athlete. He's not a guy who's going to overpower people either. 
he's not as effective as a receiving back as you would maybe expect given his skill set. You think a guy who is agile in space like that is a big time screen threat or whatever. We haven't really consistently seen that from Singletary. He was not great last year. Zach Moss, his counterpart, who's in that starting conversation, was also not great, has a different skill set, but was not the kind of down-to-down back you could rely on. And now, the new introduction into this running back room, Matt Breida, I would think has the potential to have a significant impact. He's a very speedy back, a guy we've seen have success, but it doesn't seem like he is really approaching that first-string conversation. It seems like, for the most part, they're going to run it back with that Singletary Moss formula, and Breida is going to be mixed into the rotation a little bit. So, it would be ideal if one of those guys emerged from the pack, I don't expect it. I think that the running game can't reasonably be worse than it was last year. And the thing that saves it is what you mentioned with the effect of Josh on the ground and the fact that the guy could literally throw 45 times a game and that was enough to propel them to be an elite offense. Rarely do you see great offenses that are as unbalanced as last year's Bills were, but Josh does has that element of balance on the ground, especially in third and short situations, red zone situations where he can be that power back for you. So... I think that is the key offensively, and really the only way in which I could see them regressing as a team is if Josh were to regress, and I just don't think that's going to happen, and there are people who will say 16-game sample size isn't sufficient, he had an unbelievable campaign really out of nowhere, and yeah, 46 total touchdowns, leading an offense to be that exceptional, everything he did up around 70% completion, when as you said, he had been a 59% guy as a sophomore and 53% as a rookie. That's crazy stuff, but also he eliminated basically everything that was flawed in his game and he utilized his freakish arm strength and athletic gifts, began to process the game at a different level and I think can only reasonably grow from here. So especially if you put better weapons around him and do establish a better run game around him. So, you know, maybe there's minor statistical regression in the sense that instead of 46 total touchdowns, it's 40 and maybe there's another turnover or whatever, but that's not the kind of thing that concerns you long-term. That's the kind of thing that validates we made the right decision in giving this guy $800 billion for the next five years. Yeah, damn straight. You mentioned the weapons. Uh, The only one majorly that, you know, really exits town is John Brown and you guys bring in Emmanuel Sanders. I mean, what kind of dynamic do you think Emmanuel Sanders brings to this offense? Well, I think he's a fantastic option. And the Bills already had, to me, one of the best receiver tandems in football in Stefan Diggs and Cole Beasley, both all pros. Cole Beasley, who knows what's going on with him right now? Him and Isaiah McKenzie, two of those weapons who you touched on, are currently not with the team due to COVID protocols, and they've both been pretty anti-vax. So, That's not great, but you know, maybe you get your bump out of the way before the season and then when it actually matters, it's not as big of a problem. But I think Sanders is another guy who is just a reliable first down option. Like he's, you know, not a crazy explosive take the top off a defense weapon. And maybe that's the only thing that the Bills are really missing. That's what John Brown reasonably could have been. You know, he wasn't out there consistently enough. And when he did play last year, he wasn't exceptional, but he was a thousand yard receiver the year before that. And they call him smoke for a reason. So Maybe they don't have that kind of speed on the field consistently. I mean, McKenzie is a crazy speed guy, but do you trust his route running in his hands enough? Probably not. He's more of like a gadget guy. What do you think? You think so? I mean, if you're going to talk about a big play guy, I don't think you have to look any further than Gabe Davis. Uh 17.1 yards per catch last season. We saw him really grow into a bigger role as the season came to a close. He had some big moments in the playoff games. Like, in my eyes, if you're looking for a guy to step up, take that next step, and, you know, grow into a big play threat, into a bigger role, I think it's him. I like Gabe. But 
I don't know how he compares to other contenders that have these dynamic air attack offenses as far as like that crazy deep threat weapons go. Like he's not insanely fast. I mean, he gets behind the defense a decent amount and is a good contested catch maker and is definitely a good all-around football player. I don't know how crazy high his ceiling is though, but again, I don't know that you need all that much. You have a top three quarterback in football, in my opinion. You have a top five receiver in football. You have a guy who's up there for the best slot receiver in football. You have Emmanuel Sanders, who's got to be in the conversation for the best number three receiver in football. So it's like, maybe we're just overly nitpicking there. And I don't know that they really need that one guy necessarily. And overly nitpick, I would say, if there's one weapon that sticks out like a sore thumb on offense, it would mm-hmm. probably be Dawson Knox. And if you don't get production out of him this year, I would probably yeah. say next offseason you go out and look for a really dynamic tight end that you can pair alongside uh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. I, again, we're nitpicking. Like, Do you think that is of any concern, not having a super dynamic tight end? No. Didn't hold him back last year. Dawson has his limitations. Sometimes he's an animal out there and he's running people over and he's throwing stiff arms. And sometimes he's dropping easy balls in the end zone. Like he's a a guy who has never been that consistently reliable. I think, and maybe this is being overly detailed, letting Tyler Croft may have, letting Tyler Croft go may have been a slight mistake just because he's looked really good for the Jets in preseason. And I thought when he was out there on the field last year, was a good option to have. But the tight end is not going to be overly involved in this offense. I don't really think that they need him to be, though, because you have your safety valves option. You have your guys who can dominate over the middle. You have your guys who can dominate on the outside. Like, maybe the Bills aren't going to be, again, the most balanced, traditional, great offense, but they're going to be a great offense. Yeah, I completely agree. You mentioned Croft's departure out. They also lose Lee Smith, who was a pretty good blocking tight end, but yeah, but he was he was an extra tackle yeah. out there. Like, when that guy catches a ball, it's like a trick play. I, I will say, though, I mean, I don't really think you guys lost all that much in free agency. All things considered, it went pretty well. You retained Mitch Morris, Mario Addison, Micah Hyde, uh, depth in, uh, on the line, John Feliciano, uh, and you bring back guys like Levi Wallace, a really valuable slot corner, Matt Milano, an extremely valuable linebacker. Um, and, and on that, I say let's get on to the defense. And I think there's one really sore thumb sticking out that could hold this team back, but I really think the Bills are it extremely well in the draft and in free agency. That's the pass rush. They spend their first two draft picks, Greg Rousseau, Boogie Basham. Uh, both defensive ends, both can help bolster this pass rush, but I think there's hope with guys already on this roster, Carson, to get better. Uh, Ed Oliver, I expect to progress somewhat. Uh, he was one of my favorite prospects in his draft class. I expect him to get better. He's a he's super talented. Um, you bring back you bring back Jerry Hughes, you bring back uh, Mario Addison. I think the guy that sticks out is A.J. Epinesa, though. I mean, if there's a guy that we expect to take a leap, obviously we would have loved for him to be an impact player last season and helped rev up that pass rush then, but I think this is the year for him to break out. Uh, Do you agree with me? Is he the breakout candidate on that line? I think it's either him or Rousseau. And last year, Epinesa was a guy who had a lot riding on his shoulders as far as expectations because even ahead of last season, I think it was clear that having that really high-level pass rushing option alongside Jerry Hughes, if you could consider Jerry that. He's not a huge sack number guy at this point, but as far as pressure rate, things like that, he's towards the top of the league. He just has a little bit of a tough time actually bringing down the quarterback on occasion. There was the expectation that they needed to fill that hole already, and Epinesa was not even close to capable of doing that, but 
He has put on weight. He was playing very light last year. He was like 245 as a DN, where I think he had been up at like 280 at Iowa, which is a very abnormal, obviously, change. And 245 is just, it's light to be playing the position at the NFL level, especially if that's not your natural body type to begin with. So he's put on some from that and has reportedly been impressive in camp and looked pretty good out there in preseason. And then Rousseau, when he did get out there in preseason, I think he's a guy who was viewed as something of a raw pass rushing prospect and that he has this remarkable frame, this insane length to where sometimes he can sack a guy from three and a half feet away just because he can reach out and bring him down. But, you know, how consistently was he going to be able to create separation against NFL tackles? I think that was a question. What I will say is going up against the Lions in preseason, he had 11 snaps out there where he was a pass rusher and on three of them, he generated pressures and he got a sack. So you can't take away a ton from that, but the guy has the physical tools and uh, he produced in the limited action that we did see from him. So I think that that still has to be the biggest question mark for this team. Other than that, it's maybe corner depth. Levi has his up and down moments. I don't know that he's an outstanding number two guy. But I think the pass rush is the issue because that's what we saw at the end of the year in that game against the Chiefs. If the Bills were able to more consistently generate pressure against Patrick Mahomes, that game is flipped on its head, but they just weren't. Mahomes looked comfortable the entire time, and that was that. Yeah, and I, you said it exactly. They were 16th in sacks last season with 38 total. That has to get better if you want to have a Super Bowl window. The best teams in the league generate pass rush you know, consistently. Uh, and we're going to be able to see that pretty soon, Carson. Uh, week five, Chiefs-Bills. I am ecstatic to watch that game. I mean, we're going to know off the bat if the Bills are Super Bowl contenders out of that game because mm. if they can't get pressure on Patrick Mahomes, I'd say that this season is going to be a wash. Uh, defensively, you mentioned the secondary. Yes, I'm concerned depth-wise, but I mean, you've still got some of the most talented players in the league at those positions. Trey White, one of the best shutdown corners in the league. Micah Hyde, again, they retain. Jordan Poyer is back. And I think he did a good job in free agency and in the draft of getting depth at the cornerback uh, cornerback positions. You bring in uh, Wild Goose out there. You bring in DeMar Hamlin. And I think the next biggest concern would probably just be line depth. You had a lot of injuries and a lot of turmoil up front last season. They, they bring in Spencer Brown, you bring in Tommy Doyle, two tackles that can uh, you know really rotate in and keep guys fresh. I just think the Bills ace this offseason. I thought they brought back all the core guys. They brought in uh, help in Emmanuel Sanders and Mitch Trubisky, knock on wood, if Josh Allen does go down. like I just thought I thought the Bills killed this offseason. Well, and I think that one of the interesting things about the defense is you look at last year, And despite the Bills' remarkable leap as a team from, okay, they're a playoff team, can they do it again? Inept offense, all of a sudden they're up there for the best offense in the league and that top 10 defense regresses to basically being average. I think a major part of that, though, was that they just could not stop the run consistently. They allowed the 27th most rushing touchdowns. They were 26th as far as opponent yards for attempt, 17th as far as opponent rushing yards. And that's as a team that's also leading a majority of the time. And now... You have, coming back for this season, Starlo Tulele, who is a guy who just eats up a ton of space in there as a defensive tackle, and Harrison Phillips, who missed all of last season and who was pretty productive as a rookie at that position. So that, to me, just says there's improvement basically expected everywhere. Like, again, the only thing I would say you can look at and say they did that last year better than is maybe reasonable to expect last year and I wouldn't even say that but I could see the argument is Josh's production because other than that where is this team going to regress nowhere yeah (laughs) I mean everybody's young again you improve depth wise if if injuries happen I 
And that's why I have the Bills winning 14 games. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's unreasonable. As long as Josh Allen stays healthy, I don't see the Bills winning less than 13 games. They are well coached. They still have Brian Dable, remarkably, which I think is pivotal. That guy just draws dudes open and has obviously empowered Josh so, so much and allowed this offense to thrive even if they don't have that dynamic run game. So I think that 13-14 games is absolutely the expectation. You guys did lose one of the best uh, punters in the game in Boho. Are, are, you, are, you, are you worried about that? Great Bring in question. Matt Hawk. Bring in Matt Hawk, ASU alum. It's a great question, Logan, because my relationship with Corey Bohorquez, a.k.a. Boho, a.k.a. Bojo also, he, he goes by both, at least in the circles I run with, he was such a wild man for two years. Like, he was a pretty awful punter. You know, he had a bunch of errant 30-yarders going out of bounds. And you're just like, what is this guy doing? And then last year, all of a sudden, he has, like, the best per punt average in football. He also didn't have to punt very much, though. So I'm interested in seeing if that continues to hold up. No, I'm not worried about that. Special teams should be fine. Tyler Bass should be fine. Matt Hawk should be fine. And then defense, I think, should be probably slightly improved. I don't think they're going to be an elite unit there. They need to show me that the pass rush can get to that very high level for me to say that. And if that does happen, which again, I wouldn't bet on, but if they are out there as, you know, an above average pass rushing team as well, they very, very, very well may be the best team in football. So I think AFC Championship and beyond is the expectation. I think they should be a top two team in the AFC. And if they aren't, I don't know if you could classify it as a disappointment, but I probably would. And I think if I would highlight like one last thing, I think that we have to see a repeat of next season and a slight change up of they finished 20th in turnovers offensively, third in turnovers defensively. I just think that either way, if Josh Allen and company can cut down on that, it, it equals, well, you know, obviously they reap the benefits. But I guess the last question I'd ask on the defense is, do they have to turn uh, have to be as like turnover heavy as they were last season to be as dominant? Well... I would say no, because I think the run defense is going to be improved. And I think that's a major factor in this because they were so reliant on that Mm -hmm. loaded secondary to carry them last year. And I just don't think that's going to be the case as much this season. Like that was supposed to be a strength of the Bills was their rotational depth in that D line where they already had this solid foundation. Then they brought in Epinesa and Mario Addison. But when two of your primary and interior guys go down and Epinesa isn't ready to play, that entire dynamic changes. Now you have all those guys back in healthy and you're introducing a couple of gifted rookies in Boogie Basham and Rousseau, I just think the ceiling is the roof, as they say. <laughs> so I think they are the clear favorite in this division. Clear favorite. And if you're going to say otherwise, I'm probably going to give you the side eye. Who do you have second, though? And this one was really tough. I was between the Patriots and the Dolphins. I ended up leaning with Miami, and I'm not super confident in that. I I love both of these rosters. I think they're both exceptionally talented. But I think with both teams, and I'll get to the Patriots in a minute because I have the Dolphins going 10-7, and I have the Pats going 9-8, and I think the real question mark with both of these teams is at the quarterback position. Um, To start with Miami, Tua was shaky last season, and Tua, like— they didn't ask a lot of Tua. They asked him to manage games. They asked him to just keep him afloat. They asked him to play the Alex Smith role, and he's good at that. I, but he threw for 181 yards per game. Granted, not all of this was his fault. You know, he had a really shaky young offensive line, which got Tua into a lot of trouble last season. But Tua has to be better. Tua has to be more aggressive. Tua has to win and swing this team ball game. That is, to me, just the X factor of this roster. You were returning one of the best defenses in the league last season. They had a league leading 29 turnovers bolstered by Xavier Howard's 10 interceptions. That's not going anywhere. You're, again, you're returning Byron Jones. You bring in Jason McCourty. You bring in uh, you keep Xavier Howard. Eric Rowe is a tackle machine. They drop him in the box a lot. 
This secondary is going to be one of the best in the league once more, and I expect them to turn over the ball uh, just as much. I love Miami's defense, Carson. I think they are going to be one of the best in the NFL next season. Jerome Baker is going to step into a bigger role. Andrew Van Ginkle is a big play machine. He is stepping into a bigger role. And they're returning Emmanuel Ogba, who had nine sacks last season. You're returning Christian Wilkins. Like, up and down, this defense is loaded, in my opinion. My sole question is, can this offensive line produce enough to keep Tua healthy and keep him upright? And are there enough weapons here? Personally, I think there are. I love Parker. He's a big play threat. I love Jalen Waddle, who played with Tua in college. And I love Will Fuller, uh, the fifth, stepping in here, along with Jakeem Grant, Preston Williams, Albert Wilson. This roster's loaded, but the only question is, is Tua going to be enough? Personally, I don't know, man. I- I'm really worried about if Tua can commit to playing that aggressive style of football where he is going downfield and he is making big plays to this roster. I have them going 10-7 and seven because I like this roster enough. But I still do think Tua limits this team to an extent. I think Tua clearly limits this team. I think that he is one of the absolute standout limiting factors. And that was apparent last year, even though they were able to win games when he started. They were 6-3 and three when he was the guy who was out there for them as the starter. But you said it. I mean, it was a very simplistic, conservative role for him. And I'm just always a little bit skeptical of teams replicating their success if I don't believe that they have room for offensive growth. Because while I agree with you, this defense is very talented and was incredible last year, was up there for the best defense in football, it felt like at times. I don't think we can expect them to be quite as good as last year because they forced the most turnovers in football. That is just a go-to sign of, okay, there's going to be some regression there. Even if you do have a great secondary, like they're probably not going to finish number one in that category again. And although, as you mentioned, they did add Jason McCourty to make that secondary even a little bit nastier, I worry a bit about the pass rush because you lose 10 sacks of production from Kyle Van Noy and Shaq Lawson. Not that either of those guys were absolute game-changing players, but I don't know that they necessarily replaced that. I mean, I would I would agree. Like Van Noy and Van Noy was huge for this, as was Shaq Lawson. As, as well, weird as that huge. is, huge. As weird as that is, he to was say. solid. But I think they addressed it in the draft. Like, if you have a guy like Jalen Phillips step in, who I believe in, I think Jalen Phillips can be a beast off rip. I think he can get eight sacks in his rookie year. I believe in this kid. I think he's an absolute dog. I that's the swing thing to me here. I think you're exactly right. When you lose that pass rush. You're not. It doesn't only affect you know you getting to the quarterback. It affects the turnovers that are caused on the back end. No discredit to Byron Jones or Xavier Howard. That's how football works. But I just believe in Jalen Phillips to step in immediately and make a huge impact on the pass rush. I think this kid is just an athletic freak. Okay, that's interesting. I guess I am just not fully convinced yet. If we see it, then obviously that's one thing. But it is a lot to put on a rookie's shoulders. I would say. So I just think that plus the turnover issue, I expect slight regression. And then to bring it back to Tua and what this offense can accomplish, the Dolphins ended last year as the number 15 scoring offense, but they really weren't that good as a unit. They were 22nd in yards. They were 20th in net passing yards per attempt. They were 29th in rushing yards per attempt. And on top of that, they were able to put up 
again, more points than you would expect, not only because they're dealing with slightly shortened fields because of the turnovers and all that, but because Jason Sanders was amazing yeah. kicking. He was 20 of 23 on 40-plus yarders. That was the most field goals from that range in all of football. And so that kind of long kicking, that kind of, okay, we're benefiting from shortened field from turnovers. We don't have that dynamic passing game. All of that, to me, I look at and say, that doesn't feel totally sustainable. The question is, has Tua really progressed? And based on what we have seen in limited preseason action, I'm not sold on that fact. I thought that he made some pretty bad decisions in the preseason stuff that we've seen from him, threw an interception, threw a couple other balls into really tight coverage, and I just don't think is a game-changing playmaker in any respect. I mean, that's a... That's a really good argument, and I mean, he was sixth in yards per attempt last season. He's not a big play guy, so let me ask you this. Do you think it is better for the Miami Dolphins to just keep Tua in this role and have him try to not mess it up for Miami, or is this the year, do you think they need him to be that dynamic, game-changing quarterback, and they should put that pressure on his shoulders? I think that reasonably, they have to basically ask him to be a game manager. I don't believe he can do more than that, really, and the question then is going to be, can this running back room with whatever combination of Malcolm Brown or Miles Gaskin, and I like Miles Gaskin a lot, and I thought he was very productive last year, also as a receiver when he was healthy, is that going to be enough to carry them to be an average, slightly above average offense, though? I'm just not sure. And so I think that they're very talented defensively. I think that Jalen Waddles is the kind of guy who has potentially number one receiver tools right off the bat. I'm not doubting that. But is it going to change what Tua is really capable of? I don't know. And call me crazy. Do you think at any point we see Jacoby Brissett out there? It's it, This is a tough question because we saw them go back and forth with Ryan Fitzpatrick so much last year. If Tua struggles, like, why wouldn't they? Mm-hmm. You know, like, why? Jacoby's a good quarterback. He is. And he could potentially, oh, man, I, I feel weird saying this. Maybe he's a better option than Tua this season. They're comparable. They're really comparable quarterbacks at this point. So, yeah, I say yes. At some point, we're going to see Jacoby regardless. Like, with the just the dancing job that they did last season with Fitzpatrick, I don't see why not. If Unless Tua comes out there and sets the world on fire, yeah, we probably do. I do want to touch on the running game a little bit. I believe in Malcolm Brown. I really like him. I think the question really in lies with this offensive line just – you know, mm-hmm. what growth we can see. Rookie Liam Eichenberg is going to have to step into a big role immediately. He was a tackle in college. He steps in and is going to play guard immediately um, in this lineup uh, from day one. So, man, maybe I'm – I don't know, dude. This this has really made me rethink if I think this team can win 10 games. Mm-hmm. I'm, maybe I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards like seven or eight now. Like this is – I just there's always a team with regression, and it really makes sense that a team like this again, who led the league in turnovers, mm-hmm. who has a questionable pass rush, a questionable offensive line, a questionable quarterback. I'm really thinking about taking three wins away from this team or three. two, two to three. I I have them going eight and nine for reference. So you would be hopping on with me on that one. I, to me, it is unless Tua improves significantly, then the expectation should be slight regression. And that just to me is what the writing is on the wall for. And I really do think, Logan, it's very possible that Jacoby Brissett is just better than him right now. Jacoby Brissett two years ago for the Colts was a very legitimate starting quarterback. Like, sure, it was a plug-and-play situation. He wasn't ideal. We saw Phillip Rivers take them to another level the year after. But Jacoby's a guy who is going to do basically what Tua does, not turn the ball over, control the game, do a little bit with the feet. 
probably just do it better. Yeah, and I do want to I do want to accentuate and emphasize, like this could very well be a make or break year for Tua. This is Miami is one of the easiest plug and play situations for a young quarterback stepping in. I also another thing we haven't addressed yet. Uh, they are going to have a new offensive coordinator. Uh, Chan Gailey's out. They have two new OCs, and I think they're going to run pretty much the same system. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, if Tua struggles this season, if he has a bad year. I can see Miami dumping him off for a second or third round pick and moving on to a different young quarterback. Like, this roster's young, and they should be in contention. The only thing really holding them back is his QB spot. Mm -hmm. And it'll be interesting to see if Tua can channel any of the little bit more dynamic playmaking we saw from him in times at Bama, but I haven't seen it yet, and so I'm not going to bet on it. The quarterback position is obviously always so crucial and always so fascinating when you have a second-year guy with talent, and we know that he has talent, you can't write him off. And I still don't think that he would be a disaster for this team. Like, I don't think he's going to be a high turnover guy or anything like that. I just think if you have the 28th best starting quarterback, because the position is that good right now, that if you're really just eh, then you're in that bottom tier as far as starters go. I don't think you're winning 10 games like that unless you have maybe the literal best defense in football, and I don't think that the Dolphins are going to be on that level. I think they're going to be a top 10 defense, and I think they're going to be maybe the 24th best offense, and I think that that leads them to be maybe an eight-win team. Now, they do have the 27th strength of schedule, so that's a point in their favor, but I don't know that it matters all that much because there's not many games where I look at and say they're the overwhelming favorite because to me in any game, it's they could put up 13 points and lose to a team they're better than because the offense just doesn't produce. And they also, like the Patriots, have a absolutely brutal Week 14 bye. I feel bad that's for... That's tough. Yeah, it is tough. And, mm-hmm. like, again, at that point in the season, I don't know if the NFL thought about this scheduling-wise. Dude, 14, like, 13 straight games. That is going to take a massive toll. Like, the Dolphins could be just absolutely brutalized, just like the Patriots. Injuries could ravage this team's season, or any team with a late bye like this. Could mm-hmm. Injuries could tear them apart. Salient point. I think clearly the X factor is Tua, it's quarterback play, whatever they get there, and that's going to pretty much determine their ceiling. But I have them going 8-9. and nine. I actually have them third in the division, and I assume that you have third who I have second, unless you're a crazy man. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take the New York <laughs> Jets as my third team in this division. I like Robert Sala, but not that much. Um, yeah, I do have the Patriots three, and I want to I, I reiterate again, this is so close. I think the Dolphins and Patriots, like even down to stylistically, are really similar in how they're constructed and what their criticisms this year could be. Like I think QB play for the Pats is definitely number one. Mm-hmm. First of all, Mac Jones has been impressive in preseason, but he's a rookie. You know, we just don't know how he's going to look. I think he's in a really good scenario. He's got weapons. He's got one of the best football minds behind him. But I don't really see him playing off rip. The next question that you have in your QB room is, will Cam Newton be able to accurately throw a football? Um, QB play, I think, is number one. Um, I think the Pats did an excellent job this offseason in going and just bolstering up to make a playoff run, maybe a Super Bowl run, honestly, depending on what Mac Jones looks like. I think this roster is of that caliber. They are a really talented defense. And when you have a when you have a football mind like Bill Belichick, I'm never going to put anything out on the table. They bring in Matt Judon, they bring in Trent Brown, they bring back Kyle Van Noy, Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith. Like they made the most of their money and their draft picks. You get two first round caliber guys and Mac Jones, Christian Barmore. I'm really high on the Pats, but their schedule's a little tougher. The Week 14 buy scares me, and ultimately the reason I, I have a I've put a ceiling on them despite how much I like their talent. 
I think Cam Newton's going to get a lot of burn to start off this season, and I think Cam loses them some games right out of the gate before we get Mac Jones, who I think is clearly the better quarterback on the roster at this point. I think that you've clearly identified the crux of what's going to matter for this team because last year they were the number 27 scoring offense in football, and they had maybe the worst throwing starting quarterback in football. It was either Cam or Danny Dimes, and that's not a good conversation to be in. And sure, Cam did a little bit of damage with his feet, obviously, and that's where he scored, I think, a majority of his touchdowns, actually. But through the air, the guy threw for eight touchdowns to 10 picks over a full season, and people can talk about, oh, he got COVID in the middle of the year. Yeah, but he also just didn't seem to have a shoulder and, like, was throwing terrible balls consistently. And, you know, he went eight for nine in the preseason game that we saw. I just am not going to have any dramatic takeaways from preseason. I know that he's apparently looked better in camp and all that. That's fine. If he's slightly better, that matters for this team, and that might be enough for them to get to that playoff level because I do think this is a really, really talented roster. But I agree with you. I think that Mac is the better option at this point. He's pretty composed. He's solidly accurate. For the most part, he just makes good decisions, and he delivers the ball where it needs to be like 10 yards downfield. Although I will say, actually, he threw at least three really nice deep balls throughout the first two preseason games that were not caught by his receivers. And like we saw him throw a lot of deep balls at Bama. Now it was to a lot of open receivers given who he was playing alongside. But that is an element of this offense to where if they can take the top off of a defense at all, that will matter. At the same time, I don't know that I see that personnel other than Nelson Aguilar. Because Nelson Aguilar, we know, is just a massive deep threat. But that's the other thing is, you look at the weapons and sure... They added guys, Hunter Henry, if he's healthy, which by the way, he already isn't, which is remarkable. (laughs) Typical. It's very typical. Jonu Smith, which I think was one of the more overrated signings of free agency. Everybody got all excited about that. They overpaid him and Henry dramatically. And that's where when you say they made the most of their money, I don't totally agree. They had a ton of it. So yeah, they, they added a lot of talent. Sure. But they probably could have added talent more efficiently, I would say. But so you look at those three. Aguilar, Henry, and Jonu Smith, and they're probably three of the four top receiving targets on this team. Throw Jacoby Myers in there. You know, James White will get involved in the receiving game, of course, but those are probably three of your top four guys. They're all new, but at the same time, there's no number one receiver there. Like, Aguilar can have a thousand yards, but he's not a consistent, reliable, elite route runner. You know, he's the guy who you go to on third and eight, and you say, just get me right past that first down marker Mm -hmm. maybe Hunter Henry's that guy for you like I just don't feel great about the weapons I do believe in Damian Harris I do believe in the run game but at the end of the day if I have this many questions about the offensive talent and particularly the quarterback position as much as I want to push this to like 10 wins as far as my Mm -hmm. prediction I have them going nine and eight because of how talented the defense is and because I think no matter what their offense will be better than last year because they were so atrocious and Cam was so atrocious that still is holding me back just a little bit. I still think they very well could be a playoff team. I don't see a Super Bowl ceiling, though, unless Mac Jones is the Messiah. Well, and I agree, too. I, I, yeah, that's, that's the point I would try to make, is that if Mac Jones is really great out of the gate, I think they do have that outside chance. As for the weapons, I, I am a little concerned. I think they need to establish the run to take the weight off of Mac or Cam, which they were great at last season, um, I believe. 
uh, what, Damian Harris had five yards per attempt. They did lose Sony Michelle. I don't really think that matters as much. He's a good receiving weapon. He also did have 5.7 yards per attempt on the ground last year, but uh, they have James White. They bring in Ramondre Stevenson, the rookie. I think their running back core is solid, and their offensive line is going to be just as good. I love their O-line. They're going to keep Matt clean all season long. As for the weapons, I think you're right, bro. The only deep threat here is Aguilar. I like Jacoby Meyer. I like mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne. Nikhil Harry has to take a step up, and you need, yeah, Probably not going to happen. <laughs> you need Henry to be healthy because I do think the Patriots offense can be deadly. I mean, you remember, I know this a long time ago, a decade ago, when you had Gronk and you were running that 12 personnel set with the two tight end sets. You can say who the other I'm, tight end I, was. <laughs> I'm, not, we have I'm saying that if Belichick can stylistically run that offense, dude, they destroyed the mm-hmm. league. And I mean... It, I'm not saying Henry and Smith are those caliber, but if you establish the run, that play action to those two is going to be deadly all season long. Um, I think that's enough on the offense, though. Mm-hmm. When you look at this defense, obviously I think they're I think the secondary holds them down. Gilmore, J.C. Jackson are two of the best shutdown corners in the league. J.C. Jackson is also a big play corner. I, I love their secondary. They only lose one of the McCourty brothers. They bring back Devin. The secondary is going to be dominant. I think the big thing is what they did in free agency, though, with this pass rush. You bring in mm-hmm. Henry Anderson, you bring in Matt Judon, you bring back Donta Hightower and Kyle Van Noy. If this pass rush is top 10, be afraid, man, because they mm-hmm. are going to hound quarterbacks, they're going to force a lot of uh, force balls, and there's going to be a just a turnover fest. I love the Pats' defense. And again, that's what I think elevates them to maybe a 10-win season. Mm-hmm. Is there anything, though, that you think really sticks out as like a sore thumb is where we need to be concerned about this defense, or do you like all three levels? Well, I think that the one thing that last year you could have said, okay, they need to improve on is maybe where's that insane pass rusher, and I think that they pretty much have that with Judon, mm-hmm. or if not him alone, the combination of him and Van Noy and Hightower coming back. And then also the run defense. I think all those guys can legitimately contribute in that respect as well. So the secondary was pretty damn good. I mean, it wasn't the like historic unit from the year prior, but it wasn't that far off. They held opponent, te- opponent teams to 22 passing touchdowns to 18 picks. The issue was that front seven as far as the run defense, and that was probably the biggest issue, but also having that crazy imposing pass rush. And I think that they're going to be significantly improved there. though. So... It's important to note that this team somehow won seven games last year when their defense wasn't as good as it's going to be, and their offense was led by a very, very troubled Cam Newton. So, yeah, I think that at minimum you should expect two win improvement, especially when you add another game into the schedule. I really want to have them as a nine and a half win team because I'm just stuck between nine and ten. I really do think this should be a fringe top five defense, definitely a top ten defense. But I have too many questions about the quarterback position for me to say they're a 10-win bona fide playoff team. I think they're probably scrapping for that conversation. But I see more worlds in which they're better than I'm expecting right now than worlds in which they're worse. Like I feel like this defense alone is going to get you to seven wins. And then everything beyond that is just the offense not really messing it up. I'm doing it, Carson. All right, go for it. I am doing my second audible of my... Oh, I, I did it again. I am taking the Pats from a nine-win team. I'm going to take them to ten, and I'm going to take the Dolphins from a ten-win team to a nine-win team. Love it. I've I like this defense more than Miami's, and I trust Bill Belichick to have a consistent defense more than anything in Miami. Yeah. Also, Mac Jones is that man. Oh, also to that point about the run defense, which I think is probably the biggest issue in New England. If you're going to be concerned about something. When you get a guy like Christian Barmore in the second round, dude, he can step in and literally just be, he can wreak havoc on, Mm -hmm. I I don't know if you guys remember on draft night when uh, Belichick had that 
sneaky grin after getting him. He knows that kid's a beast. <laughs> I Another steal for the Pats in the draft, but I think if you're going to address your their running defense from last season, Barmore is about as good as it gets. All right, let's talk about the team whose fans in the stands are probably <laughs> going to have bags over their heads, but who also are probably very excited right now because they have a devilishly handsome young fellow by the name of Zach Wilson. Let's talk about the Jets. What, you don't think he's devilishly handsome? Why would they care? I don't know, marketability? He's already like one of the most talked about football players in the world somehow. Let's talk about the Jets, though. What are you expecting from them? I expect them to go 5-12, and 12, and like while it's not rapid improvement, I think there are a lot of things to look forward to uh, for the Jets this season. And the biggest thing is just what we've seen in uh, preseason. The play-action West Coast offense, it is perfectly tailored to Zach Wilson's game. Uh, they bring in you know, Mike LaFleur. He runs that West Coast system that his brother runs. I just, I think Zach Wilson is going to be, I think he's going to have a really good season. And I don't, you know, maybe not statistically, but I think there's going to be a lot of positive signs. They did so much for him in the offseason to give him help around him so he doesn't bear this, you know, huge load. Like Sam Darnold, come on, bro. You could have put basically anybody in there. I don't know if anybody succeeds with that Jets squad. He was put into a really bad scenario. I'm so glad that this front office has dedicated this offseason to building up the roster around him so it is not just, hey, Zach, go out there and carry an entire team, an entire city by yourself. And those moves that I'm alluding to, this line was 29th in adjusted sack rate in 2020. While I don't like all of their line, you have Becton, they draft uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, he should be better. And I think there are three holes. I don't like McGovern, Van Roten, or Fant, but they're competent offensive linemen. They're going to keep him dry, and they're going to you know, at least establish the run game to an extent. Receiving-wise, dude, everybody is talking about Elijah Moore, and I'm hopping on the boat. I think he could be all pro out of the gate. I don't know, man. Like, everybody, maybe that's a little pro bowler out of the Whoa. gate. We'll, we'll, put, we'll put a lid on that. Uh, everybody is infatuated with Elijah Moore, as am I, uh, athletically, his hands. If OBJ says he thinks he's going to be a beast, so will I. I'll hop on the boat. Um, him, Corey Davis, and that's the thing. Elijah doesn't have to be this number one immediately. You've got your big play threat in Corey Davis. You have Denzel Mims. They bring in Tyler Croft, as you mentioned earlier. There's They did so much for him on the line, the wideouts. The one position they didn't really drastically improve in was at running back, I think, with Tevin Coleman. But he's better than Frank Gore that they had last season. I mean, the Jets improved at every level offensively, and did so much to help Zach Wilson. So I don't think this is going to be some top-notch offense. I think they're probably still middle of the pack to, you know, like somewhere between that 16 and 25 range. But I think it's going to be really fun to watch. I think this offense is going to be so much fun because it's perfectly tailored to Zach Wilson and his play style. And there's weapons. Like, it may not be – you may not have a bunch of wins. You may not have a top-notch offense. But I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, and there's going to be a lot of positive signs. Uh, Are you with me on that boat, Carson? Well, I suppose so. I think they're going to be 4-13. and And I think what's important to remember is that although I don't really disagree with you as far as when you highlight all the areas in which they've improved offensively, their starting point was a team that halfway through the year a lot of people were saying was like the literal worst of all time. Like the fact that they finished 2-14 and felt like a miracle, although they could have been 3-13 and if they didn't let the Raiders beat them. But they started 0-13 and... Most of those games are going to be beat by multiple touchdowns. So I think that, yes, the offensive weapons are dramatically improved. I would throw Keelan Cole in there as another guy who was moderately productive in his time in Jacksonville. And I think that Zach Wilson is legitimately good. I just think he's a rookie. He's a guy who's probably going to turn the ball over a little bit. And although I think that you're right, this is probably a good system for him. I mean, we've already seen 
him develop that chemistry with Tyler Croft, rollouts, just quick hitting, play action stuff. I think he's going to be good. But at the end of the day, some teams still have to suck. And like, even though the Jets took a step forward, they took a step forward from being an abomination to football itself. So I do think they got better. I do think the weapons are better. I do think Tevin Coleman is an upgrade. We'll see what Ty Johnson can do there as well. He was somewhat productive in the chances he got last year. But at the end of the day, I don't think that rookie Zach Wilson is the kind of guy who is going to flip a team's destiny on its head. Like maybe he could get them up to six wins. But this defense is still atrocious as well. And that's that's the exact spot that I think you'd highlight, uh, that you should highlight. And I think they have the coaching staff, first off, to really rebuild this team over a few seasons. Again, mm-hmm. I like Mike LaFleur and his offensive system. You've rebuilt all of these young weapons here alongside Zach Wilson. Defensively, Robert Sala steps into like the worst defensive situation in football, and I still think there is a gaping hole on this roster. That in lies with the secondary. Mm-hmm. Um, Marcus May comes back, criminally underrated, one of the best safeties in the NFL in all facets of his game. I hope they can retain him because his contract's up this season. They re-signed Jamal Adams and had to trade him. I do not want to see that happen to Marcus May. They need The Jets need to keep him in town. He is much too valuable of an asset. But their starting slot corner from last season, Brian Poole, is unsigned, and they're going to have just so many young, inexperienced starters. Bryce Hall, fifth-round pick in 2020, started seven games last year. Bless Austin, sixth-round pick in 2019, started 16 games in these two seasons. And they, they drafted a lot of the secondary members, Michael Carter the second, Jason Pinnock, Brandon Eccles, but this is a lot to ask of these young corners, and I think this, second, this secondary is going to be absolutely horrendous. And the one guy who they hoped was going to be their big-time defensive addition in Carl Lawson, I guess who they hoped, is done for the season with an Achilles tear. So it's like, where is the room for them to improve there? Is it Sheldon Rankins? Is he making you better? Like, they added guys who are rotational pieces on other defenses, and that's really it. There is no game-changing player who they brought in, and so I just think they're going to be terrible defensively again, and that's just inevitable. Yeah, I like C.J. Mosley. I like Jared Davis. Mm-hmm. They're not drastically game-changing. The one guy I do expect to take a, a pretty big leap, uh, even continuing from his uh, performance last season, I think Quinnen Williams is going to get better. I've liked him since he came out of the draft. I believe he had seven sacks last year, and I think he's going to build on that. But again, he is coming off of a broken foot as well. Mm-hmm. And a, another aspect of this I do want to touch on, if Carl Lawson was healthy, maybe I'd be a little more interested in this pass rush. Salah is going to take this traditional 3-4. He's going to move him to a 4-3. Mm-hmm. That's what he ran under Pete Carroll. Should help them get a little more... Um, pressure up front, and it'll allow C.J. Mosley to back into that kind of you know field hawk playing a center field for this defense, which I think is better. They're just so untalented yeah. outside of Quinn and Williams up front, so it's really not going to matter that much. But <laughs> so I guess you know, in saying this, the New York Jets, who were shit personified last season, have gotten marginally better. So yeah. good for them. That is really <laughs> how I feel. Like I just don't see many routes for them to not be in that bottom tier of teams. So I think they're obviously a clear fourth in this division, and they're one of the worst teams in football, but they're getting better. And you said it over multiple years. I mean, if they continue to put the right pieces around Zach, if they do build up this defense and, you know, they have one of the best defensive coaches in football to make that possible, yeah, there is a path where there's light at the end of the tunnel, but it's not here yet. So with that, let's move on to the AFC West where I think we have another, obviously, standout powerhouse at the top of the division. But who do you have leading the pack out there? Um, No surprise. I have the Kansas City Chiefs repeating uh, at the top of this division. 
I mean, what, what, what do we need to say? I'm going 14-3. Yeah. If Patrick Mahomes stays healthy, this team is going to win double-digit games, be in the playoffs once more. And I don't really have many concerns about this roster. Obviously, they're going to lie in the defense, and I think the biggest one to me is the linebacking and pass-rushing core. Uh, they bring in Nick Bolton. They have Willie Gay from last season. I would highlight just the linebackers and, again, the, the pass-rush up front. Um to swing this defense and make them really dominant Super Bowl caliber, not that they aren't already. Patrick Mahomes is going to put them in that conversation, but this defense has to be better if they want to win. Um, Willie Gay and Nick Bolton have to be absolute menaces immediately. They're hyper-athletic. They're really good at run-stopping and pass coverage. They're just good all-around linebackers, but they have a big weight on their shoulders to carry this linebacking core immediately, and those are the expectations. My other concern, as I highlighted, is this defensive line. Um... Outside of Chris Jones and Frank Clark, who don't get me wrong, are two of the best in the two of the best in the NFL. If either of them go down, I think the defense could be in for a world of hurt because the depth behind them is not really strong. Like I don't like they bring in Jerron Reed and he's going to be a good run stopper up front. Alex Okafor's cool, but I, I don't know if Frank Clark or Chris Jones go down. I think this pass rush suffers. Um, those are my two big concerns on defense. Are there any one uh, others that uh, stick out to you defensively? Not particularly, and honestly, I'm not all that worried about anything with the Chiefs defensively because I just think there's almost nothing other than a Patrick Mahomes injury that can keep them from winning 12 games, at least as far as the regular season goes. We'll see what level they can get up to on the defensive end of the postseason. And yeah, you can say that that was the thing that held them back from the Super Bowl, I guess, but was it really? I mean, the defense played very well against the Browns. It played very well against the Bills. And yeah, they let up 31 points against the Bucks. but look at what that offense was doing. So I think we've consistently seen the Chiefs defense play at a an above average level. And when it comes to the playoff time, sometimes even go a little bit higher than that. So I think they're going to be fine. I mean, they're not really dealing with any significant losses there. And so I expect them to be probably similar to last year. And then offensively, I think that's, we know that they're one of the most talented units of all time. And I think that they're probably better than last year because the line is a good bit improved with Big Joe, with Orlando Brown. Where do you object? I might disagree. Kind of, I don't know if they're better than last year. And the reason I say that, with Sammy Watkins' departure, I do have a major concern with uh, Miko Hardman, Byron Pringle, uh, Demarcus mm-hmm. Robinson, one of these guys to step up and be that really reliable number three. We just have not consistently seen it. Honestly, if I'm going to pick a guy out of that group to be it, I'd probably be Cornell Powell, the rookie. Like I, I would expect him to step in just because we have tape on Pringle, Harden, and Robinson in the league, and mm-hmm. they're big play threats. I just They need to be more consistent. I just like Watkins as a number three. And then on the line, look, Orlando Brown and Joe Tooney and Creed Humphrey are going to hold down this left side in the middle really effectively. I am concerned about the right side, though. I don't know about Trey Smith and Lucas Niang. I... I think they're good. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if I can concretely say that this offense is better. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, you know, we're <laughs> we're throwing peanuts here because it's Patrick mm-hmm. Mahomes anchoring yeah. this offense, but still I don't I can't I don't know necessarily if I agree that this offensive line and these weapons have gotten better. Okay. I mean, maybe what I'm thinking about is compared to the end of last year mm-hmm. when they're playing without two starting tackles, but like clearly it was the weakness on this team. And I think that Tooney and Orlando Brown are obviously well above replacement level there. And sure, you can say, you know, maybe Trey Smith is a question on that right side. He's a sixth round rookie who may be in that starting spot. But I think also a lot of people would say was one of the most talented old linemen mm-hmm. in the class and could be a very good bargain pick given that kind of value. So I agree with you about Sammy. Like I love Sammy Watkins, huge Sammy Watkins guy here. He was obviously 
tremendous in their run to the Super Bowl, and he wasn't actually even out there last year. I'm talking about two years ago when they won the Super Bowl, he was really good, and he's a super talented guy, but like at the end of the day, you're losing 400 yeah. yards of production from last year. Like He just couldn't reliably stay out there, and so that does matter, but at the same time, when you have the best one-two punch in football as far as receivers go... I think that you're going to be okay for the most part because you cannot X out either of those guys, in my opinion, even if you don't have that really legitimate third threat. So maybe they're not better. You don't have Damian Williams. You didn't have him last year, but he was another guy who was important in that Super Bowl run. You added Jarek McKinnon, who I think is just Mm -hmm. a good all-around back, a guy who can get involved in the receiving game as well. So maybe they're not better. I don't think they're worse, though. I think that the pass... I think that the... Protection is going to be better, and I think that they lost a little something as far as weapons go. But overall, it's pretty much the same Chiefs team. That is something that I want to touch on, though, because I think that if you do genuinely think that the offensive line could have gotten better in one respect, it would probably be in the run-blocking game. Mm. You just could not get consistent running lanes through the tackles. I don't think that's an issue this season. Mm. I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire could be primed for, I would say, breakout. He had 1,100 total yards last season, five total touchdowns. If there's a guy that you should expect to maybe break out, I think it's CEH. Like, yeah. their run blocking was atrocious last season. And <laughs> look, man, I, I know the Chiefs are going to air it out all game. But if they can establish the run, good luck the rest of the NFL. Um, I, I expect CEH to have a huge, huge season behind this line. I'm talking fifteen to 1,600 total yards, depending on the snaps. He gets 10-plus touchdowns. I expect Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to have a massive season. Again, depending on the workload, because again, I like McKinnon too. I like Williams. It's it's a good rotation, but I think if there's a guy that you're going to pick out to really reap the benefits of this line outside of Mahomes and you know just not getting sacked as much, I think Edwards-Hilaire is going to have a huge year. I think he has massive potential, and he was balling out last year until he had that little injury, and then he never quite got involved in the offense the same way after. And I think the other thing is, Everybody expected him to be, you know, immediately this insane impact receiving back, and he wasn't totally that last year. He had under 300 yards receiving. So he's another guy who can help be that safety valve. He's obviously a special playmaker in space, and I think is another guy who's primed for growth there, as you said. So I I don't know. I don't see all that much room for regression, Mm -hmm. and I don't see all that much room for growth. I think overall they should just be a very similar team to last year. A team that is, I guess, flawed in some ways, but in the scheme of things, is pretty much about as good as you could ask anybody to be. And, you know, I don't want the Super Bowl to overly discolor our opinion mm-hmm. of this team because heading into that game, we had all basically started singing their song already and had Gabe Swartz on, and he declared they had already won the Super Bowl practically. And, like, that was, I think, my expectation as well. And so I think that that's the expectation again is go out there and win the Super Bowl. And they have a very similar cast of characters to potentially do it. So. Let's move on to where I think it gets a little bit more interesting because the rest of this division, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how you would have these teams power ranked. So who do you have second in the AFC West? By the way, I don't remember if I said this. I have the Chiefs going 13-4. and four. So same as the Bills. I give them the tiebreaker in the one seed because I think they beat the Bills at home in their head-to-head matchup. Interesting. I have them going 14-3, and three, and I believe I have the Bills coming out on top of that game to take the top seed. Interesting. But I'm just a homer. I will say... <laughs> I think that last year the Chiefs very easily could have gone 15 and 1 and so 13 and 4 is a step back from that. I just think that well first of all they won a couple of close games in there at some point last year that maybe you don't expect them to replicate, but also I just think their schedule's tougher out of the division. You have the Browns, the Ravens, the mm-hmm. Bills, the Packers, the Steelers, the Titans. 
Cowboys, Washington football team, sure those aren't great teams, but those are solid teams. And then in division, I think the competition is stronger. So I think that that three to four loss range to me is the expectation. I would be surprised if they were, you know, 16 and one or whatever, whereas ahead of last year, that would have almost been my prediction. So with that out of the way, I allow you to proceed. I have the Chargers finishing second in this division and it's tough. You know, like I I like the Raiders and Broncos to an extent, but who has the best quarterback out of those groups? And I believe in Justin Herbert more than anything else. How many close games, man? It was so ironic to me this last season. Phillip Rivers finally departs town. Still the thing that has plagued the Chargers for damn near 20 years is still those late game scenarios. They just can't finish the job. And special teams. (laughs) And special teams. It's just, it haunts the Chargers. And so they get rid of their old OC. They bring in, uh, I believe they bring in Brandon Staley and Joe Lombardi to anchor this offense. It just changed the culture here. I do still think that's going to be an issue when you have no fans attending your games, but that's a separate argument. Um, That being said, Herbert is by far the best quarterback out of all these groups, and that's the reason that I have him. I don't really think the Chargers are an exceptionally talented team. I think Mm -hmm. they've lost out on a lot this offseason. You lose Melvin Ingram, you lose Casey Hayward, you lose Trey Turner, Hunter Henry, Mike Pouncey, Denzel Perriman. Even depth on the line, Forrest Lamp, Dan Feeney, like they had a lot of losses this season. And like outside of bringing in Corey Lindsley, Matt Filer, I didn't really think they replaced them a whole lot. But I expect Justin Herbert to get better, and I expect this offense to be pretty dominant. I, Austin Eckler's coming back, Keenan Allen, like they're super talented. They get Rashawn Slater. Mm-hmm. This I expect this offensive line to be good uh, again with Slater and Lindsley stepping into the fold, uh, and Brian Bulaga, like. I think this line's going to be better. And just ultimately out of this group, though, I just believe in Justin Herbert. Um, Do you have any concerns majorly with any of these losses that they uh, took out in free agency? Or do you agree with me also in the fact that Herbert is the only reason uh, you have this team in the second spot? Well, I think that the Chargers were a team that you looked at last year and thought obviously better than their record. Like that was just the clear trajectory of their season. They won four straight games to end the season, first of all, but their first seven losses were all in one possession games. Four of them were to 10-win teams. As we said, they missed nine field goals. They had three block punches. Like, all these things where you're like, that's flukish. That's not going to happen again. And I kind of want to be more excited about the Chargers than I am, but I don't think you can overlook all those losses. And I think that particularly the potential limiting factor for this team is going to be on the defense, because you do add Brandon Staley, obviously, as the mind behind it all, who was contributing to the best defense in football last year with the Rams to replace just the blubbering fool that is Anthony Lynn, and your crazy, talented quarterback who just had the best rookie season of anybody at the position ever is, in all likelihood, only getting better and is going to have you know potentially better support in front of him with that line, although you are losing Trey Turner as well, but he only played nine games last year, and I think a lot of people believe a lot in what Slater can do immediately, so... Yeah, there's room for progress there, but I don't know that that compensates for all the names that have been lost in the holes that they just didn't really fill. I guess the things you could point to with some of those names and say, okay, Melvin Ingram, they lost, sure, but he only played seven games last year. He wasn't outstanding when he did play. He didn't even have a sack. Chris Harris Jr., a guy who played nine games, wasn't outstanding. That's another name that you no longer have on the team. So I still think they're going to be better than last year. What? I believe Chris Harris Jr. is still there. Oh, is he? Okay, my mistake. Regardless, probably not a major impact guy. But the point is, that yeah, they're going to be slightly better, but if they had just retained all the talent on the roster, they 
could have possibly taken a bigger leap given what given a taken a bigger leap given what Herbert has and given all the freakish ways in which they lost last year and that's not the case. Yeah, and I mean I think you highlighted a lot of issues with the defense. The big thing to me about losing Melvin Ingram is just the weight that Joey Bosa has. Like he is he's really their only solid pass rusher. They've got other good interior D linemen who can stop the run, but Bosa's kind of their only premier pass rusher. Uh, the Chargers are going to run like a drastically different defensive system than they did last season. Um, they're going to go with like basically nearly three safeties on the field at all times. Um, you can expect Asante Samuel Jr. to spend a lot of time on the field alongside Chris Harris Jr., Michael Davis, Nasir Adderley is going to get a lot of PT because Derwin James is going to play Rover this season. He is going to be center field. He's going to be in the middle. They're going to have him rush the passer. He's going to be doing everything this season um, in this new defensive system. So that's really the new change, and I think it's smart because when you look at this linebacking core, who else do you trust outside of Kenneth Murray mm. Jr.? Not a whole lot. Um so, I don't know, it's just a, there's just so many different variables coming into the season. The players that you lost, the new coaching staff, the the new defensive schemes, like there's, this is a drastically different team, and I still think they're just as talented, but the only constant, I, again, I'm going to repeat it, the only constant I think you can count on is, is Herbert. Mm-hmm. I don't know what else you can, I mm-hmm. mean, I guess that's kind of the thing for the Chargers every year. What else can you yeah. rely on other than QB play? Yeah. Uh, Derwin coming back into the mix finally you know hopefully healthy again is definitely big for them that's probably their best defensive player along with Bosa Mm -hmm. but I just don't think it's enough to change the defensive ceiling for this team where I think they're gonna be below average and I don't know if there's you know a top five offensive ceiling or anything with this team I mean I like the weapons obviously I love Keenan Allen and Eckler is a pretty remarkable all-around back but and Herbert's great but I just don't think it's enough to push the needle to say they're a surefire 10-plus win team. I think they're a slightly above average team. I think they're going to be better than last year, and that's just kind of my expectation. Yeah, and I mean, the only swing guy I could say is maybe Josh Palmer's good, but really, I mean, a rookie third-string wideout. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I just they don't pop. I mean, so is this the—we both have them winning uh, nine games, correct? Yeah. Going nine and eight? Yeah. Is that the ceiling for Los Angeles then? No, because I think that there's a world in which Justin Herbert takes a superhuman leap, and if he does so, you know, if he becomes a top five quarterback in football, which I don't think you can completely rule out, then you could win 11 games or whatever, because then you can become an elite offense, I do believe. And the presence on the ground, not a sure thing. You know, Eckler's great, but he's a guy who's much more impactful probably in the receiving game overall, although he's a pretty efficient guy on the ground as well. I really think it would have to go with Herbert being insane or this defense being a good bit better than we're expecting. And uh, Herbert is, you know, you, you just aren't sure because when you have the best rookie season ever, it's a lot easier to be disappointing in your second mm-hmm. year than it is to wow people again. Because even if he's the same guy, that's not going to take them to the level of success where they're, again, an 11-win team or whatever like we're talking about. So I think this is a reasonable range. Again, I wanted to be higher on them. But I just think with the offseason departures, with the defensive questions, it's too much on Herbert's shoulder mm-hmm. for me to bet on and say, okay, they're going to be an outstanding team. So I, I feel pretty good about having them at nine wins. Who do you have after them here? So I actually have these last two teams in the division with the exact same record. Um, I expected to be a little higher on the Raiders than than I ended up. Like I like a lot of the additions they made in Gawkaway, Hayward, Martin, Brown, Kenyon Drake, Solomon Thomas, a lot of talented guys, but I'm going to go with the Broncos first. I think they're the better team. Um, 
and that's the thing that messes me up so much because I want to be high on the Broncos because I like so many facets of this team. I love their pass rush when you have a relatively healthy Von Miller paired up with Bradley Chubb with mm-hmm. what I believe to be the absolute best secondary in football. I have those high expectations for this team. When you've got Kyle Fuller, a former Pro Bowler, Kareem Jackson, Justin Simmons, a at least a solid rotational corner in Ronald Darby, and I'm selling him a little bit short even saying that. Like, if Patrick Sertain is dominant out of the gate, I expect the Broncos to have just the absolute best secondary in the league. And again, paired up with a dominant pass rush, that is turnover city. And then you trot out Teddy Bridgewater. Do you, though? No, they've said Teddy Bridgewater is their week one starter. Wow, that's terrible. I can't really blame them. Drew Locke was arguably the worst quarterback in football last season. Um, a ton of picks. His completion percentage was horrible. I love I love the weapons that they have, man. Who doesn't? You've got Noah Fant, Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler, Deontay Spencer, Melvin Gordon. It just makes your mouth water. They bring in a rookie running back in Javante Williams. But then you hit me with the Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater is going to cap you at seven to eight wins. I have this team going six and 11 solely because they have touched down Teddy. If they had a good quarterback, which has plagued the Denver Broncos since they lost Peyton Manning, like this, I would be so much higher on Denver and Miami Carson if they just, if I could count on their quarterback. And honestly, maybe I'd be higher if they dropped out or trotted out Drew Locke and just gave him another chance. Like his ceiling's higher. It's just. That's what's frustrating. I know what I'm getting with Teddy Bridgewater, and it is not a, to me, it's not a playoff season. It's not even close. I think he's he's not going to win you games. He's going to manage you, and that's all you're going to get. Um, outside of Teddy, like, I love the Broncos roster. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I hadn't seen that they had officially said that, and that's a bummer to me. I had the Broncos going 8-9. and nine. I just think that Teddy is the kind of guy who has such a low ceiling and just completely lacks the ability to maximize the value of those outstanding weapons who you shouted out. Because look, last year I was saying Drew Locke sucks. And I don't know that he's completely disproved that. But at least you see out there in preseason, he's throwing the ball downfield. He delivered a beautiful deep ball to KJ Hamler. And like he has the tools. He has the little bit of upside. And you can say, okay, you know, he has less than a year and a half as a starter. Maybe he's been written off too quickly. And he even had his moments last year. He had his moments where he was unbelievably bad, but he had his flashes as well. I would just so much rather bet on that. Like, what's the point of investing a pick in a guy? What's the point of holding on to a guy if you're just going to accept not even mediocrity? Like, Teddy Bridgewater's never thrown for more than 15 touchdowns yeah. in a year. That's with full seasons as a starter. I think everybody loves the guy because of his story and all that and the comeback and... The fact that, you know, he did have success in that one season in Minnesota. But other than that, man, I mean, he is just such a limiting factor for a team like this. So maybe that changes my opinion. Maybe I want to drop them down to seven wins. I do feel like they're going to go to Drew Locke at some point because I don't think you can be content with a full season of Teddy Bridgewater. And I think that at some point you need to know what you have out Mm -hmm. of Drew Locke or else why aren't you just trading him? I really feel like Teddy should be the safety valve. He should be the okay. If Drew sucks, we go to him as opposed to vice versa because Teddy's going to be fine. I don't know that Teddy's going to do a ton to lose a job. I just think he's not going to go out there and win you games. So part of the reason I did have them winning eight is because their schedule is so easy. Like your first three weeks, you have the Giants, the Jags, and the Jets. Okay, that's very reasonably could be a 3 and 0 start. Maybe you say 2 and 1, but like you're going up against in the Jags and the Jets, probably still two of the worst mm-hmm. five teams in football and the Giants, 
you know, offensively are certainly on that same very low level. Then let's say, can you go three and three in division? Can you win a couple against the Raiders, win one against the Chargers, or, you know, steal one against the Mm -hmm. Chiefs or just win one against all those teams? I think that's reasonable. They're in a similar caliber to at least the Raiders and the Chargers. And then outside of your division, you still have the Lions, the Eagles, the Washington football team, and the Cowboys. If you just beat all the teams who I said, Giants, Jags, Jets, go 3-3 three and three in division, beat the Lions and the Eagles, and then beat either the Washington football team or the Cowboys, that's nine wins right there. And that's without doing anything remotely unreasonable. And maybe you're even the favorite in all those outings, given that you have a home game against the Chargers and a home game against the Raiders and all that. So that's where I looked at that and thought, you know, with the talent on this roster, eight's reasonable. But now... I'm a little bit bummed, and I don't know if the defense can be elite. You know, I think Mm -hmm. the secondary is on that level. I don't know if the front seven is going to be good enough for them to be a top 10 defense or whatever because they weren't even close to that last year. So I kind of think I'm going to drop them to seven. Yeah, and I mean, I think they're literally... I think all this team is missing is just a high-impact tackler run stop. You know, just some guy in the middle to anchor this team. The pass rush is going to be good off the edge. Yeah. Secondary is going to be dominant. And yeah, I mean, I'd like a few more guys up front um, to run stop, but that's all they're missing. And that's that's another thing that's so frustrating, Carson. Mm-hmm. This offensive line is pretty great. Like Garrett Bowles and Dalton Risner are basically pro bowl or, you know, right around that area. And then Glasgow and Massey have been really good rotation depth guys on a lot of different rosters in the NFL. It, it just, to me, it's just frustrating to see a team this talented, and it's going to be a year wasted. Yeah. The schedule is still a significant factor to me, and I I think that they've been clearly one of the most impressive teams of preseason. Like, they Mm -hmm. eviscerated the Vikings 33-6, and then they killed the Seahawks 30-3. Part of the reason I was optimistic about their ceiling, though, is because of what we saw out of Drew Locke. And if he's not going to be given the keys, you know, as flawed as he may be, I just think you're imposing a very low ceiling on yourself. So I'm going to stick with 8-9 and for now, but... You know, I don't have my full records finalized to make sure that the league finishes at 500 overall. So they are definitely a candidate for me to drop a game from, which is a bummer because I think that, you know, what they've done in preseason has been impressive and they're a talented team. And offensively, those young weapons are exciting. And defensively, that secondary is great. But the quarterback position, dude, it's the theme of this episode, really, is teams that have so much talent. And it's just about what can they do at the quarterback position? The last team here is not quite in that same category. Las Vegas Raiders. What are you expecting from them? I think you could throw them in that category. Like, I think people got really carried away with Derek Carr last season and how dominant he was. Look, I'm not saying Derek Carr and, like, what he did through the air was impressive. 27 touchdowns and 9 interceptions. But he's a guy who's played with... Hey, he's got his Stevie Wonder glasses on, man. 11 fumbles last season. He's got very little pocket awareness. Um... I, I don't know, man. Like, Derek Carr's a good quarterback, and I don't think this in lies as much with him. I, I'm just not sold, dude. I don't I, I don't really know what else the Raiders could have done to have gotten better. They they Again, they made a lot of really smart moves. Pass rush was their worst thing last season after they've given up Khalil Mack. It has been the Achilles heel of this team. Um, and so they go out and they get Yannick Ngakwe. They go out and get Casey Hayward to anchor the corner. You know, I mentioned these guys earlier, and they're really smart signings. It's just... The rest of this roster is pretty mm-hmm. underwhelming. I, I I don't really know where the where the big swing is here. Again, you've got talent, Jacobs, Rugs, but just the Raiders are just a really underwhelming team roster wise. I think really what they're missing is another dominant pass rusher. What they were expecting out of Cleveland Farrell, mm-hmm. um, 
and they need somebody to anchor this middle. Maybe Denzel Perriman can do it. He was really good with Los Angeles. He's a really good run stopper, really good in pass coverage. Like, he's just a well-rounded linebacker, but I don't know if he's game-changing. To me, the Raiders are just, eh. Mm-hmm. They're just they're just mediocre. I really feel like they're the Falcons West because I think <laughs> there's a lot of offensive talent here. I mean, look, you give me Darren Waller every day of the week and I'm as happy as can be. Like, that guy is just more of a freak than I think he even gets credit for. Like, he is just the definition of the ultimate, you know, modern hybrid tight end and how the position has changed there. That guy is unbelievable as a pure pass catcher. And you lose Aguilar, but you add John Brown, who I think can fill a pretty similar role, probably as well if he's healthy. You add Kenyon Drake, and if you're telling me that I have a running back tandem of Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake, I mean, that's one of the better in football overall. I worry a bit about the O-line, wherein you lose Rodney Hudson, you lose Gabe Jackson, and you don't have Trent Brown. He didn't really play last year anyways, but you know those are quality O-linemen, and obviously a few years ago that was a clear strength of this team. I, I don't think that's going to totally limit their ceiling offensively, but I just worry about the defense, and then I worry about the schedule a lot for them. Yeah, I would say up front, I do like Alex Leatherwood. I thought that was uh-huh. an absolute steal with where they got him in the draft. I think him and Colton Miller are going to do a great job at holding down the ends. The interior of the line is where I worry. Um, I do think they've got a lot of talent in the backfield with Jacobs and Drake. To me, though, bro, I don't know where they generate pass rush. Like, Max Crosby looked good last year. Solomon Thomas has looked good in stretches. Ngakwe is going to be the star of this team. If he doesn't end up with double-digit sacks, mm-hmm. I'm pretty un- underwhelmed. But, again, man, there's just a lot of holes on this back end. Yeah, well, we need to address how terrible the starting point is because I love Ngakwe, but he's joining a team that had 21 <laughs> sacks last year, allowed 30 points per game, and was probably a bottom-five defense against both the run and the pass. Like, shh. They allowed 30 points a game. They were terrible there. So again, improvement is all relative. And when you're improving from being bottom three in the league at something and you add a guy or two who matter, it's just not all that big of a deal. So I just think there'll be a slightly above average offense, a really bad defense, just like last year. But while they were eight and eight last year, they had the Jets again intentionally lose to them. So, okay, they were really a seven and nine team and Their schedule is brutal, Logan. It's the eighth toughest in football. I think you could argue it's even tougher than the number would suggest there. You open up with the Ravens, then at the Steelers, then the Dolphins, then at the Chargers, the Bears, at the Broncos. You know, some of those teams aren't overwhelming, but they're probably not a favorite in any of those. Maybe, you know, the Broncos or the Bears, but whatever. Not a significant favorite. And then you have the Chiefs twice after that. You go to the Cowboys, which I don't think they'd be favored, and that'd be a shootout. That'd be a fun game. But on the road, I don't think so at the Browns, at the Colts, and then the Chargers and Broncos again. Like, that's just a tough draw. If they had, if the Raiders had a league average defense, do you think they're a playoff team? Yes. Well, I think they're probably a Mm nine-win team right in that conversation. Last year, they started five and three. Like, we shouldn't forget that. Or six and three. Mm -hmm. There was a time when we were on the Raiders train because God knows they could put up points because they had the talent offensively. And they kept putting up points. And they will do so again (laughs) this year, I think. Just not enough to compensate for an abysmal defense. Any other thoughts on the Raiders? No, agreed. You, you said it well. I mean, and, and it's and it's literally just get good at one thing defensively, man. Like, yeah, have a reliable pass rush, force turnovers. They were literally they were horrible in every conceivable category. Yeah. And I know that Raiders fans are probably excited about Paul Gunther being gone. I can speak from experience. My friend Mikey Goody, big Raiders fan, just. I hated that guy passionately, and yeah, he probably sucked at his job, 
But I just don't think that's what's going to change things here. Well, Gus Bradley's going to implement, like, a new Cover 3 system. But you know what works in Cover 3 system, Carson? Tell me, Logan. When you have good cornerbacks. You know yeah. what the Raiders don't have? Good cornerbacks. Uh, yeah, Gus Bradley's going to be what? Like, a little better? It's not going to mm-hmm. matter when you have personnel like this on the back half of your defense. Yeah. I could see them getting up to that 7-8 win range mm-hmm. if the defense is, you know, 20th instead of 28th or 29th. Because I do think the offense is a sure thing to be good. I also don't think the offense is really going to be elite in many worlds because Derek Carr is, you know, a slightly above average quarterback in the scheme of things. I think that when you've seen a guy for seven years, you can generally pretty much assess what level he's at and he's pretty good, but he's not going to totally change the needle a ton. And when you put great pieces around him like they did last year, you can see he can power a really good Mm -hmm. offense. And I think he'll do that again. I just don't think it matters enough. So overall, I think that this is going to be a really interesting division. I think that that two through four Mm -hmm. dynamic is going to be important and fascinating. And I think that what the Chiefs can do rebounding from just the shocking end of last year is going to be pretty interesting as well. But outside of them, I don't see that surefire second playoff team. I mean, I think that the... I think these two divisions are pretty comparable as far as talent goes, actually. I think you have your contender. I think you have maybe in the AFC East a little more talent mm-hmm. with those second and third teams, but I also think the fourth team is better in the West than the East. So overall, solid couple divisions. And we're just continuing to chug on through here, make our way down the list. Only two divisions to go in our season preview, and then we'll do our award predictions, our playoff predictions, all of that. And then next thing you know, we'll be at the season. September 9th, Logan, we're two weeks away. So we are just approaching that day with a great deal of excitement. And if you want to continue to be with us on the journey to that point, you probably know where to find us. Maybe you don't though. Maybe you have no idea what you're watching or listening to us on right now. And if that's the case, that's okay. Don't worry about it. We'll tell you how to find us. YouTube, maybe you're watching right there. We post all of our full podcasts. We live stream them there as well. We also do video breakdown content. I try to make a video once a week. Logan made a video recently on the Steelers preseason that you can go ahead and check out. Highly recommend all that. You can listen to us only in audio form, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your audio content. You can follow us on social media. Twitter is at nerd underscore sesh. Instagram and TikTok are both at nerd sesh. And with that, as always, I've been Carson Brabber. I've been Logan Camden. And this was Nerd Sesh.